listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is going on, Huda Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media and Ornitos Tequila. And also you can check on the bottom of the screen, have my promo code for DraftKings. You can check that out. Now, before I get into everything, talk about the Saints upcoming game with the Seattle Seahawks, which should be a really, really fun matchup, especially because it's on Monday night and the Saints have a lot of returning faces, which I will address in just a brief moment. I also want to talk about a trade that I think the Saints should make. But before I do that, guys, I want to thank everyone who hit me up, supported me, whether it was reading the interview with Drew Brees or checking out the podcast I do with Eric McCoy, which, by the way, if you haven't checked that podcast out with Eric McCoy, I would strongly suggest you go do that. He talks about when he believes he's going to come back, which, spoiler alert, he thinks he'll be back Monday night. Also talks about how the injury process was for him, his rehab, his recovery, all that stuff, and then talking about what he saw behind the scenes with the Saints and what they might be now that they're getting back a lot of big-time players, whether it's from injury reserve or just returning from regular injuries. We'll talk about all that. And it was a really fun conversation. Eric's a guy who I have a lot of respect for. He's very laid back. He is not afraid to just tell you how he feels about things. And he's a funny guy. So really appreciate having him on. If you guys like that one, stay tuned for more. I'll try and get more interviews on here in the near future. But let's get right into it, guys. It's a good time to be a Saints fan. I haven't said that much this season, even though they are three and two. But now is really a great time to be a Saints fan. So what do we got going on? We have a whole slew of great players coming back into the lineup. We have great updates on Marcus Davenport, Eric McCoy, Teron Armstead, Quan Alexander, all that good stuff. And more importantly, you're talking about a team that also, lucky enough, does not have to face Russell Wilson on Monday Night Football. I think that is a little bit of a luxury as well. But before I get into the preview, get into all the matchups, what I think is going to dictate this game and whatnot, I want to talk about the injury report because usually when I'm covering an injury report, guys, it's bad. I mean, I'm talking about an injury report that is just doom and gloom, not many, you know, things to really look positive about. That's different this time around. You have Eric McCoy, who is back, limited participant. Armstead back, limited participant. Then you have guys like Will Lutz, Marcus Davenport, Anquan Alexander, and Traquan Smith activated, or should I say designated to return, could be activated for Monday. Great signs that they'll all be back. And each one is going to play a really, really, really big role for this upcoming game. So let's kind of go down the list. So let's talk about each guy, what they're going to bring to the table. McCoy and Armstead, just get that out of the way, guys. You're talking about two of the best particular linemen at their positions. One of the best centers in McCoy, one of the best left tackles in Armstead. And I think one of the underlying issues for the Saints, and you guys would agree, is that their O-line has not been as stout as we thought they would be this season. A lot of its injuries, some of its communication issues. Well, you put McCoy and Armstead back in the fold with Ramchek, with Pete, with Ruiz. All of a sudden, you're like, okay, yeah, this probably is one of the best, if not the best, offensive line in the National Football League. That's going to play a factor. You're talking about Marcus Davenport. The defensive line, guys, has struggled this season. Not much. You had one game from Peyton Turner, which was flashy. One game from Tano, which was flashy. Other than that, not a lot of substance. So, Davenport comes back. Can he pick up where he left off? That is something interesting to watch. Traquan Smith, good chemistry in the offseason with Jameis. Does it translate to Sundays, or in this case, Monday night? That is something that I am really interested in seeing. And then Quan Alexander, you know the energy. You kind of know what to expect from Quan Alexander's case. So I think that's going to be interesting. And for anyone watching this on Twitter, you're watching the live stream, you want to come in, 
Go to the YouTube link. I'm going to drop it on my Twitter account right this second. And we'll talk Saints football. I'll get your comments up and we'll chat and I'll pull it up on the screen for you guys. So this Saints team, well, we saw the first five weeks a little discouraging. And at times it was conservative. At times it was like, what the hell is going on here? I think getting back a lot of these names is going to open up a lot of possibilities for the Saints team. I think it makes Sean have the liberty of being a little bit more aggressive if he chooses. I think it allows Sean, if he wants, to feel even more confident in his defense that he could take more chances offensively speaking because I think that's a big part of the game. What you do on offense is usually dictated on what you do on defense. If your defense is playing extremely well, you're probably not going to be risking it throwing this ball down the football field nonstop throughout the course of the game. But who knows? If the Saints feel to the point where their defense can just create turnovers and extra possessions, maybe we can get a little bit more creativity with this offense, which I think is possible. And like I said, guys, I think for Traquan Smith, he's a frustrating player in the sense that he does get hurt a lot, and it's and it's really, really upsetting because when he does play, he does make some really nice plays. I have a weird sense of if he is healthy, I think we're going to see the best version of Traquan Smith. Now, the disclaimer is I can't guarantee how healthy he's going to be or how long he's going to be on the football field. I can't guarantee that. I wish I could, guys, but I can't. But I feel like when he is going to be on the field, I think that chemistry that he developed with Jameis Winston, the fact that I think Traquan's game is just better suited for a deep passing attack, I think that's really important. So I know no Michael Thomas this week is going to be tough. I know probably no Deontay Harris. That could be rough. Now, Deontay's status could change, but... You're not practicing on Thursday. If he doesn't practice Friday, then you're probably looking at him being out. And then Taysom Hill, he's still dealing with a concussion. If he's out, you're looking for a playmaker to step up. I think Trey Quan, at least for this particular week, would be your guy. Now, remember, you had the coaching staff two weeks ago saying he was ready to play or looked ready to play. So let's see what he does on Monday night against a really bad Seattle secondary. I'll throw that out there. I mean, this is a secondary you want to play with. You're, com- you're coming back on this game. For me, this is the one. So I'm really excited to see what's going on there. Quan is the one where I have questions, not about who he is, what's the fit, and that's because of Pete Werner. But before I do that, I actually want to talk about that later. I want to shift gears here. I want to talk about the trade deadline. I can't sit here and tell you guys that I have anyone telling me that the Saints are going to make a trade. I, I, I have not heard anything, and I don't think anyone who's dealing with the Saints right now has been able to report anything as to who they're interested in, what they're looking for. Because the deadline's still two weeks away. Two weeks from this date, actually. So it's going to be a while till we hear anything. I would say next week's probably when you start hearing whispers. What I will say is that there is one guy on the trade market, and there's no question that he's up for trade, and teams will make calls, is Marlon Mack. And I know some of you guys are going to say, Chris, why would you say running back? I mean, the Saints need a receiver. You can get Brandon Cooks, maybe Odell Beckham. Look, I love all those names. And if the Saints can get a Brandon Cooks or Odell Beckham Jr. for a decent price, hell, I'm saying, yeah, go and make that trade. But I don't know if that's going to be on the table. And I do also think that the Saints might not be willing to part with a second or third round pick right now because they just parted with a third round pick for Bradley Roby. The Saints want to part with a late pick, maybe a sixth, maybe a fifth round pick, and find a way to upgrade their offense, I think Marlon Mack actually might be a very savvy, very underrated guy you can add to this system. And there's a plethora of reasons why, but let's just go down the list here. For starters, the Saints need another running back. Alvin Kamara is great. And I love seeing Alvin get these touches and show that he can take on a bigger workload. But you know what I don't want? I don't want us to have a Christian McCaffrey situation where the Panthers overwork him and you basically realize all right he's not going to get through the whole season because you think you're going to give this guy 55 touches a game and it's not going to work 
So the Saints need to bring another running back in the building, in my opinion. And with Tony Jones Jr. out, you're basically sitting there and you're looking at Divino Zigbo. You're looking at Dwayne Washington. You bring Lamar Miller to the uh, practice squad. Nothing against all those names, but Marlon Mack would be a significant upgrade. And the fact that Josina Anderson's saying that the Saints already contacted to see what the, I guess, asking price would be for Marlon Mack intrigues me. And I think Marlon Mack, obviously, his best days are most likely behind him. He's not the 1,000-yard rusher he was in 2019, and a torn Achilles is going to do that to you. But Marlon Mack is a change-of-pace type of guy. He, he really is. And for the Saints, you've been looking for that change-of-pace back. It takes a load off of Alvin. It really gives you another element. And I think more importantly, because everyone is begging for a receiver, and trust me, I can't stand how the Saints have ignored their receiving corps. I, I can't stand that the Saints fans see it, and we still get told, we like the guys in our group. All right, you might like him. No one else does. But if they're not going to address the receiving corps, and I think it would be kind of foolish of me to just put so much faith in them doing so, what is one way of really aiding your quarterback and helping this offense? You bring another runner in, especially a guy like Marlon Mack, who has shown that he's a good veteran. He can run between the tackles. And again, he's only averaging 3.9 yards per carry this season, but that's not bad at all. That's nothing to write off. You know, in my opinion, that's pretty good, especially if he's your secondary guy. And bringing him back those two things. For starters, like I said, AK, don't put so much pressure on him. Second, it allows you to really dominate in the trenches. Because if you get Kamara and Mac rolling, and you're controlling the time and possession, and you already know you got a really good defense that, by the way, is going to keep you in every single game, why not get another back who is going to allow you to dictate how a game's going to go? Because I think bringing in Marlon Mack when the Saints are up and they need to control the clock, he might be a guy that you want to run between the tackles a lot. And I think that's someone who you want to take those hits because he can do it. And more importantly, I actually don't think Marlon Mack would just be necessarily a rental. He's The crazy thing is, because everyone kind of thinks he's older than he, He's only 25 years old. And we know the Saints, they didn't re-sign Ingram a couple years ago. And then we know they tried Latavius Murray out. Latavius Murray had his moments, but that obviously, that ship sailed. The Saints now need to find that secondary guy to Alvin for not just this season, but for next season in 2023. And as long as you have Alvin on your roster, that's how much you need that Robin to his Batman. And maybe Matt can be that guy. Now he's on a one-year contract. So in a sense, he is a rental. But 25 years old, if he can find a role in the Saints where he feels comfortable, maybe the Saints can get him on a cheap deal where it's maybe three-year, 10 million or three-year, 12 million. All of a sudden, you have your back next to Alvin that you can rely on. Because as much as I like Tony Jones Jr. and as much as I was really impressed with what he did in the preseason, we haven't seen anything in the regular season yet. Some of it is not getting the touches. Some of it's not getting the opportunity. And some of it's just him getting hurt. But I do think Marlon Mack, would be a very, very interesting piece. So if the Saints are going to make a trade that I am very intrigued by or someone that I say, hey, go get this done, go get this guy on your football team, and it's not going to cost much, Marlon Mack. And remember, the Colts don't need him. They have Naheem Hines, and more importantly, they got Jonathan Taylor as one of the best young backs in all of football. Now, what would it cost? If you guys didn't hear before, I think it's going to cost a late-round pick or get this. I think this is an interesting one, and I don't know if the Saints would be willing to do it because they have a lot of respect for this player. But the Colts just lost their safety, Julian Blackman. He's really kind of their do-it-all safety. The Saints have depth at that position with a guy like P.J. Williams. I don't know if they want to part ways with P.J. Williams. Personally, I know some of you Saints fans will probably pack his bags for him. I like P.J. I think he's been a nice veteran for them for years. But I do think if you're looking at it, I think it would help the Saints run game. And then you're talking about the Colts. It's helping their secondary, which is banged up. That is a win-win. And this is not 
one of those scenarios where I'm trying to rip off a team. I think both sides kind of get what they need out of that potential deal. So we'll see what happens there. But again, guys, if you're looking for one guy and he's not a name that you're looking at, it's like a blockbuster, like an Odell or a Brandon Cooks, why not Marlon Mack to the Saints? I think it would be interesting. I'll probably be banging that drum till the trade deadline. Again, guys, if you're watching on YouTube, leave your comments, drop them in. I'll, you know, I'll hit you guys up, get to it. But uh, it's been an exciting week, fun week for Saints fans, obviously. Exciting for me in terms of content and then fun in the fact that we got so many guys returning. And then, guys, if you are listening on Twitter, I see there's a bunch of you on there right now. If you want to bring your comments in, go to my previous tweet. I dropped a link there. Come in on YouTube. Drop your comments in. I'll pull them up. For some reason, we're still doing this song and dance on Twitter where the comments aren't going up, which is wild to me because I love nothing more than pulling up your comments so we can interact throughout the live stream. I mean, that's the whole point of a damn live stream is for us to interact. So if you guys have comments, questions, hit the YouTube link on my Twitter right now, and then jump in, talk about it. I'll pull your questions up throughout the live stream, and we'll talk Saints football. Now, while I do that, while I get ready for you guys to come in the live stream and drop your questions, comments, concerns, anything Saints-related, anything life-related, whatever you guys want, let's go to the game. Let's talk about this Saints-Seahawks game because I think for a lot of us, this could be a potential do-over. I thought the Giants game would be the one where the Saints kind of show – the games that you kind of look at your calendar and say you should win that game, they do that. And I think that's usually a sign of a good team. A good team wins the games they're supposed to. I know that's basically stating the obvious, but the Saints didn't do that against the Giants. This kind of seems like they get a chance to do it over. And Seattle played respectable football last week against the Steelers. It went into overtime. Frankly, if, if Geno Smith doesn't fumble, who knows? Maybe they win that game. But they didn't. And I think without Russell Wilson, with so many concerns with that Seattle defense, I think this is an opportunity for the Saints on the road. Once again, and by the way, they do have two road wins already. I think it would be a really good opportunity for the Saints team to come out, one, win another road game, and then two, prove when you're supposed to win these games, you can do it. And remember, if you go to four and two, guys, I've tweeted about this a million times. The NFC does not look as good as it looked a couple weeks ago. Like, I I had a lot of people hit me up and say I'm scared about the Panthers and they look great. And trust me, the Panthers for the first three weeks, they did look really good. But all of a sudden, you revisit and it's week seven. All of a sudden, the Panthers are three and three. And you sit there and you wonder, why can't the Saints make the playoffs? I mean, the NFC is not as, it's top heavy. Like, the Cowboys look good. The Bucks look good. The Packers look good. The Cardinals look good. The Rams look good. After that, it is basically a who's who of, you're not that good whether it is a Vikings or a Lions or a Bears or a Saints or a Niners or a Giants or an Eagles, you go through the NFC, it's not that deep. So this is a game where if you can go to four and two, you can improve your overall record. First off, you would jump to second in the NFC South. That is big. And it would set you up in terms of confidence, in terms of feeling like you got a shot at this division. If you want to win the division, beating Seattle to move to four and two and then having a chance to defend your home turf against the Tampa Bay Bucks on a Sunday on Halloween, that's basically the route that you're going to need to go. Now, I don't want to look far ahead. It's one game at a time. Saints got to take care of business against Seattle. But I think that's how you kind of have to approach this. this is a mu- Obviously, every game is a must win. But the Saints need to prove now and nip it in the butt that they are not one of those teams that plays up and down in their competition. I know they've done it before. Can't be the case. Now, I'm not saying you steamroll Seattle. I think anyone thinking they're going to steamroll Seattle, I think you're overlooking Seattle because they do have some good pieces offensively. And Geno Smith is probably one of the more accomplished backups, I would say, or at least one of the more reliable backups. I mean, he's looked good in relief duty against the Rams and looked good against the Steelers. But the Saints have to win this game. There's no beating around the bush here. There's no excuse. They're getting healthier. They've had two weeks to prepare. They've had the bye week. You kind of recharge your batteries. And I think for the Saints, 
getting to the bye week, they needed this. They absolutely needed this. I mean, the amount of traveling and just stress on them for the first month of the season was wild. And then, yeah, on top of it, they had so many injuries. So to get these guys back, refocus, it's a Monday night. It's your first big primetime game of the year. This is it. Like, this is the game. One, they have to win. And two, you can kind of send a message to the rest of the NFL. Like, this is what you could be. And again, I think the Saints are going to be an ascending team. I don't think what you see now is going to be the finished product. And I think there's a chance for every week for them to show something they didn't before. And this is a chance. Again, Trey Quan's back. Davenport's back. You have Eric McCoy and Teron Armstead coming back. This is a chance for the Saints. So I'm really interested. Now, what am I looking forward to into the actual game? Not the motivational crap about they need to win this game and whatnot. I think that the Saints, in terms of what I'm looking at, there's a couple of things. I want to see what happens between Pete Warner and Quan Alexander. I want to see how does this offense handle the crowd noise in Seattle because you know they're going to be rowdy. And I also want to see for the Saints, how do you defend their wide receivers of the Seahawks, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf being one of the best duos in the National Football League. Now, let me hit all three of those points because I think those are all very important. I do really like Quan Alexander. I think Quan Alexander brings a really big energy to the Saints that they haven't had in a while. I think that he brings a lot of so-called juice. And I know that's kind of their thing that they've been rocking with this year, but he really does. He really brings up that energy that they need. However, I've seen enough of Pete Werner over the last two weeks that I do think that just taking away Pete Werner's snaps for Quan would be kind of foolish because you have more invested in Pete Werner, believe it or not, than you do in Quan Alexander. That doesn't mean Quan Alexander shouldn't play. I think Quan Alexander's speed, his sideline to sideline ability is something you're going to need. But I do think the Saints need to be very smart. I think especially on first and second downs, you need Pete Werner. And the reason I say that is, while Quan's ceiling might be higher, I think the one thing Pete does better is he doesn't blow as many as assignments because Quan is kind of like that hit or miss dude. I mean, he's either going to hit a home run or he's going to blow an assignment and it ends up being a home run for the other team. I know I'm using baseball terminology here, but that's kind of the way he is. So I think for the Saints, finding a delicate balance where you do have Quan on the field because you do want his explosiveness, his ability to just defend other players that are pretty shifty in open space. But you also want Pete Werner out there because one, he's a second round pick who you're trying to see if he can be a future piece for them for a while. And I think he could be. And then two, he's earned it. It's not like Pete Werner's played okay. And I said, all right, you got to play him because he's a second round pick. No, Pete Werner's look good. Pete Werner's look good. Now playing Zach Bond would be validating your pick and trying to prove something that's not there. Pete Werner, the Washington tape, the New York tape, Really, really impressive stuff from this kid. So I want to see more from him. And I think that the Saints need to find a balance between those two because both of them are important and both should play. This should not be just Pete Werner playing or just Quan Alexander playing. Finding the balance. We'll see what it looks like on Monday. I'm curious to see what Dennis Allen and the Saints do there. As for the second thing, managing the crowd noise. I think that no matter who the Seattle quarterback is going to be, and I know not having Russell Wilson stings, and it kind of takes a little bit of the vibe away of this really fun matchup, Seattle's crowd is going to be rocking. I mean, that crowd is one of the best, if not the best. I think them and the Saints always go head-to-head, and I think the Arrowhead Stadium folks are probably up there as well. But Monday night, national TV, they're going to be loud. And I think for the Saints, they've had a lot of communication uh, communication issues Excuse me, early in the year. How do you look when it is Monday night, and you are going in Seattle? And the rain's probably going to be a factor because, heck, it rains every freaking day in Seattle. So I'm really curious to see. Now, I think the one thing I liked is when the Saints had that rough game against Carolina, a lot of the mistakes they made never resurfaced. You didn't see three rushers running up the gap and basically just being a factor. The Saints clean that up. Now I want to see if they could build off that. I want to see if they could become a factor for this game where, 
Yeah, the crowd noise will get you sometimes. There'll be a false start here. There'll be a false start there. But avoiding the critical mistake, avoiding the really, really big mistake where it is a pick or it is a fumble or it is a botch snap, anything that could really cost you. So I think managing the crowd noise and being able to get over that hump is really important for the Saints. And then the third thing, guys, look, I said it. The defense is going to be the strength of this team. It will be for the whole season. And one thing that I really can't believe I feel comfortable about is the way the Saints secondary has played because that's something we didn't really envision going into this year, but they've played outstanding for the exception of the Giants game. How do they do against DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who I don't care that Russell Wilson is not there. They're going to be heavily targeted. They will absolutely be heavily targeted. And again, don't overlook Seattle, guys. I know it's easy because they don't have Russell Wilson, but they still got playmakers. And the goal, especially when you have backup quarterbacks like a Geno Smith, the, the goal is always to get the ball in that said playmaker's hands. So they're going to get the ball to DK Metcalf, and they're going to try and get the ball to Lockett. It's up to Lattimore to step up to the challenge, which I think he will very much step up to it. And I also think, you know, it's up to Debo and also your secondary help, especially at the safety spot. How do they handle Lockett? Because DK is the big name. DK is a physical, just specimen of a receiver. Yeah, I mean, he, the guy is just incredibly... Built. I mean, when you're creating a player on Madden, that's probably what you're going for. It's DK Metcalf. But look out for Lockett as well. He's usually the guy over the top that's going to beat you. And the Saints got to be careful about it. They got to be cautious of that. So I'm really interested to see what happens there. But those are three keys I'm definitely going to be watching. It's going to be an interesting game, to say the least. And obviously, if you Saints fans are going to be there, I hope you guys enjoy it. I think it's going to be a really fun atmosphere. And it's almost a twist. You know, Saints are usually accustomed to having the loud crowd noise. Now they're going to be on the opposite end of it. And I'm really to see, really interested to see how that goes. As for who do I think is going to win the game? Look, I, I'm not going to flip, you know, flip back and forth. I thought going into this week, the Saints would win. There's no reason for me to change my mind. I haven't heard or, you know, seen anything that says, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not picking the Saints anymore. I do think though that it's going to be closer than a lot of Saints fans might think. I think if you think they're going to roll in, and just absolutely dominate the Seahawks in Seattle. I don't know. Now, if they do, encouraging as hell. If they don't, but they still win, that's fine, because that's kind of what I envision. If they lose this game, I'm not going all doom and gloom. I haven't done it all year. I refuse to do it. I'm not a doom and gloom guy. But you got to win this game in the sense that you need to start winning the games that you're supposed to. And I know that sounds stupid, but it's legit. Because you you got to win the games you're supposed to win because when you lose the ones you're supposed to lose, all of a sudden you're looking at your record and that thing just skyrockets down. And that's not what you want. So I'm really curious to see how they come out. I think they'll be really fresh. I think they'll be recharged. They're going to have... I think the crazy thing for me is the Saints are going to look more talented Monday than they would look at any point this season because they've had just as much talent on the injury report than they've had on the roster. Not many teams can say that. Fortunately, a lot of the guys that got hurt, it wasn't season ending, so you had the ability and flexibility to bring them back, and that is crucial. So I think the Saints are going to win this one. I'm going to go I'm going to go either 24 to 20, 24 to 17. That's kind of where I'm leaning. Now, I think the Saints, if they can deal with the communication and don't really get affected by the crowd noise, I think 24, I think that's a, a low-balling number for this offense. Now, I know the offense hasn't been impressive, but man, the Seahawks defense is bad. And I think how the Saints manage that crowd noise is going to dictate it. If the Saints can manage it well, Jameis can sling this thing around the park. And I, and I want to advise you guys, if you think Jameis can't handle Seattle, when he was in Tampa Bay, one of his best games ever actually came in Seattle, and they lost in overtime in a game they should have won. And it wasn't his fault. He played extremely well. So I think Jameis can handle Seattle. 
I just need to see it, obviously, over the course of the game for the whole team because it's not just him. It's the offensive line, how the communication goes. But if that goes well, then I think the 24 number that I mentioned is a low ball. But I think the Saints are going to win. I'll go 24 to 17, Saints win. As for one more little tidbit that I want to throw in there before I kind of pull up some questions and comments before I head out, guys. I think the kicking situation is something that I'm going to watch because we've gone through Algic Rosas. We've gone through Cody Parkey. I'm ready for Will Lutz to come back, but I want to add this about Will Lutz. And again, I'm a huge Will Lutz fan. I've tweeted about 13 times this season that I miss Will Lutz because frankly, guys, I do miss Will Lutz because having a good kicker is a luxury in the NFL. It's it's not a privilege. It's not a, it's a luxury. Okay. So Will Lutz before last season, I think it's kind of fair to say he didn't play as well as some people thought he would, especially at the end of last season, whether you talk about the Eagles game or even later in the Falcons, and he was missing some kicks he should make. I'm interested to see what the carryover is, especially after an injury. Is he rusty? Is it kind of that negative momentum from last year coming back? Now, he can shut everyone up. He makes his first kick. Everyone's going to shut the hell up, including me. But I am curious about that. Now, I'm glad that Will Lutz is back, but I just want to throw that out there. I don't know if we're getting all pro Will Lutz just out of the gate. I think that's a little unfair. But the kicking situation is important. The Saints have left a lot of points on the board because they've either A, missed kicks, or B, they don't feel confident in their kicker, so they don't go for it anyway. So I'm very curious to see what happens there, obviously. Now, before I wrap this up, remember, guys, if you missed it, I'll just kind of recap here. I think the Saints are going to beat Seattle. I think they're getting a lot of firepower back into this roster. And I think they should get more firepower in the sense that I believe the Saints should be active on the before the trade deadline and go after Marlon Mack, which clearly... You guys would be pretty happy with, you guys think he's a beast, he'd be a solid pickup, and I agree. I think Marlon Mack would bring a little bit of an underrated element to a Saints offense that can use it. Now, before I wrap this up, if you guys have comments, questions, concerns, drop them in. I'm going to pull up whatever you guys have on the screen and get to it. One comment, I feel like Seattle will get back to playoff form soon. I believe we make a statement Monday. That is the that, Look, that is the goal. That is the dream scenario for the Saints. They make a statement. I think just winning this game in Seattle is good enough for me. I don't care if it's by one point, I don't care if it's by 10 points, I don't care if it's by 30 points. You win in Seattle, that's good enough for me. Re- honestly, it's good enough for me. Remember, you're still going to have no Michael Thomas. You're still going to have no Anyamata. You're still going to miss a couple of key pieces, whether it's Taysom, Deontay Harris, whoever it might be. Winning in Seattle, period, for me, I would be very confident about that. Doubt this would happen, but what if the Saints traded for Mike Gusecki? So, I lo- look, I think I tweeted it during the London game, which Miami lost. I said, look, I would love to see Mike Gusecki on the Saints. I think he is a great pass-catching tight end, and the Saints need a pass-catching tight end. On the flip side, the Saints are getting Nick Vanette back. He is a really good blocker, and maybe him blocking takes some of the load off of Adam Troutman, and maybe Adam Troutman finally shows what a lot of us Saints fans have been hoping for. I know that is the dream scenario, the ideal scenario, but I think the Saints aren't going to make a trade for a tight end because I think they kind of still have confidence in Troutman, and bringing back Vanette's going to help. So Vanette might be your acquisition at tight end. Granted, that might not be what people want to hear. Saints need to put Bond as an edge rusher for more pass rush. Look, I have been saying that one for weeks, probably for a year now. The one thing Zach Bond did really good in college was he was getting after the quarterback really well. And I cannot believe that the Saints decided we're going to take him off that. He's going to be an off-ball linebacker. And I get it because at some points in the, in the preseason he looked good, but don't you want a player to thrive and do what they're really good at? I mean, that's what I would think. You know, I wouldn't hire you for one job and then stick you in something else that you have no experience or aren't good at. It would make no sense. So I would like to see Zach Bond as a, as a pass rusher. But, man, I really don't know. 
Is Tony Jones uh, Jr. out for the year? Thought it was like four weeks. So he's not out for the year. He's on injury reserve. They said it was about a three to four week injury. However, the reason I'm kind of on this Marlon Mack train right now is unfortunately, we haven't seen Tony Jones Jr. get the opportunity, even pre-injury. There was really no big game for me. He had some nice moments against the Jags. And then after that, the Saints kind of dialed it back. And I just kind of wonder if the Saints just don't think he's ready yet. Remember, he's just a second-year player. He's an undrafted guy. It takes time to really get acclimated with the Saints system. And I kind of just wonder if the Saints just don't think he is ready or will maybe ever be ready to be that secondary back and that complimentary guy to Alvin. Now, maybe he could become that. I kind of hope he does. I really do love Tony Jones Jr. But if he's not ready, and Marlon Mack's going to cost you a fifth, sixth-round pick, probably a sixth-round pick, honestly, I, I would do it. I would do it. Again, Indianapolis has no need for Marlon Mack. He had five carries last week. He had five carries the week before. He's got 25 carries on the season. There's six games already. I mean, he's getting basically, let me do the math here, guys. He's doing four carries a game. That's not enough. So I personally think Marlon Mack is worth going after. He's not going to cost a lot. Again, we'll see what happens there. With Pete Werner playing well, do you think they should split snaps between him and Quan? I would go as far to say I think Pete should get more snaps, but Quan should play. Like, I'm not one of those people who says Quan shouldn't play at all. I'm not one of those people who say Pete shouldn't play at all because Quan's a vet and he deserves it. No. Pete's played really well. I think you go the Paulson Adebo route because I think it was so easy to bench Paulson Adebo after the Giants game, but the Saints didn't do it. They let the rookie come back, redeem himself, and that just builds so much confidence. And Adebo goes out and gets you a pick at the goal line against Washington that really just turned the momentum around. So I, I am a big fan of letting these rookies continue to play and earn their snaps, earn their reps. And if something changes, all right, all right, let's give more work of the workload to Quan because you have that luxury. But if you if Pete's balling out, then you got to play Pete at least for every first and second down because he's so good at covering his assignments. And then obviously you can get Quan in there because Quan obviously is a special talent. And Quan is one of those really super, I would say uber athletic guys that is just great silent on silent. The Saints obviously need a guy like that. So that's kind of the way I do it. If you guys have more questions, comments, concerns, drop them in. I'll pull them up and then I'll head out of here. I know the game starts in about five minutes. So uh, that's as long as I'll go. If you guys have more Saints questions, Saints comments, just throw them in here. I'll pull them up on the screen. Obviously, I enjoy you guys coming in here, chatting with me, Saints football. I think this is going to be a telling game. I think we're going to kind of get the vibe and the sense as to how this second half of the season is going to go because – if you don't win Monday night, then you got to play Tampa Bay the following week. And all of a sudden, you're looking at the schedule like, okay, this, this shit's hard. But if you do win this Seattle game, you're two games over 500. You provide the luxury of saying, okay, this is not a year that you're worried about the one seed. I want to say that. The luxury of this year, guys, is you don't have to look back and be like, oh, man, that loss cost us. Like, you remember last year, we all sat there and were like, man, that Eagles loss cost the Saints the one seed. We don't got to worry about that because the Saints aren't getting the one seed. So, that is a beauty. Not that you want that. You strive for the one seed. You strive for being the best team in the NFC, but you also be a realistic person and realize that's not the case this year. The Saints are not a one a one seed caliber team, but that's okay. It's all about kind of taking those baby steps that you try to show you can be a playoff team. And then if you get in the big dance, who the hell knows what happens? Now, I know I'm projecting forward, but that's how important I think the Seattle game is to kind of get your confidence up. If you can get two games over 500, which mind you, the Saints have not done yet this season. I think that gives you a lot of confidence going into Tampa Bay. And who knows? Who knows? We've seen the Saints go on runs in the end of October into early November. Could they do it again? I hope so. But it all starts in Seattle, Monday Night Football on ESPN. I am pumped. I believe the Saints are going to win 24-17, to maybe 24-20. We'll see what happens. Looking at the kicking situation, looking at the returning players, does Traquan Smith add a boost to the offense? 
A lot of factors there, and we'll all see what happens on Monday night. I appreciate you guys all coming in to check out this episode of Straight Up Saints. If you haven't already, check out the interview with uh, Eric McCoy that I dropped earlier this week. We talked about his recovery and all that good stuff. He really is a gem. I appreciate having him on. And then, if you want, stay tuned for more content because after the Seahawks game, you know I'll be live to talk about it. But before I wrap up, one more comment real quick. Asking, how do you feel about Jameis coming into this game? I feel very fine with Jameis coming to this game because like I mentioned before earlier in the pod, Jameis has actually a decent history of playing well in Seattle. And two, I mean, you have the bye week. You're able to script a couple of drives, which is good. You're going to stay on rhythm if you can. That is important. Communication is going to be key. If Jameis can do that, the Saints will be fine. So I'm not really too worried about this. I think Jameis is going to be kind of Jameis what he's done. A couple of good things, a couple of not so good things here. It's all about kind of finding more of those splash plays. And the Saints can do that. I think they'll be just fine. But again, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I appreciate you guys all tuning in. Stay tuned for more content in the very near future. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your weekend. And let's hope the Saints can improve to 4-2 and two this Monday night when they play the Seattle Seahawks on primetime. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.